Why don't we ask God to bless it? Dear Lord, thank you very much. You're good to us in so many ways, and we'd like to be thinking of all the depth of goodness that you've given us and praise you like David did in that psalm David wrote, uh, read this morning. That we'd think about the nature of our attention. In your son's name we pray, amen. Uh, the nature, are you sometimes grasping for words when you're praying extemporaneously. Um, and you say attention, and you know, you know perfectly well that a day like St. Valentine's Day, it's what it's about, paying attention. First off, husbands have to remember, you have to pay attention enough to <clears throat> not forget the day. Good morning. Uh, the, uh, the attention we give one another is, is in all respects, even non-romantic love is love. We attend to someone. No one feels better than when someone attended, attends to them. And what happens when, well, the guy goes to the Walmart Walgreens. I saw some comedian do a bit about um, women picking out cards to give. Who was that? Leslie, you remember that guy's name? Kevin James. Paul Blart, mall cop. Pick, pick, pretending to be a woman, picking out a card, and how, what kind of agonies and perfections they seek in the awful poetry that is in those things. And a guy just ends up walking through the checkout line and whatever is in the you know, immediate buy it now, uh, okay, just pop that thing. Adds that to his six pack of beer. But you know that when you think of that, you want people to be, about their Valentines, conscious, right? Attentive to you, uh, mattering. And the degree to which it matters, um, is how much you love, right? How many roses you buy? How apt and correct the card was? Because everyone wants to think of themselves, are they just wandering children around, <laughs> coming through the chancel? Like, uh, is it haunted? And is it haunted with the worst possible thing, small children? Well, we know that we're measuring constantly how much someone cares. Especially when it's, a, you know, you're married to that person. You're measuring. We're not going to talk about what's wrong with measuring those things, but how, how it is a very natural uh, place your heart goes. So here at the top, Psalm 45, the choir master, according to Lilies of Masco, the sons of Korah, a love song. You don't get many of these in the Bible. It's actually a song about love. 
and about someone getting married and how it's kind of a little misogynistic. Yes, you moderns might not like it because it, it, uh, but it, 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 it glories in the, the love moment of this, this king getting married to this young lady and telling her to forget her father's house because she will have her husband, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, we could have had something from Song of Solomon, but this is a public mixed audience, and we're not going to be doing that. The first part of this psalm is the psalmist, the sons of Korah, um, talking about the dude. Okay, My heart overflows with a goodly theme. And that's what struck me. It wasn't what he says later on. There's a messianic aspect to Psalm 45 as well, quoted in Hebrews. But his heart overflows with a goodly theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the fairest of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. You can read the rest of the psalm on your own time. When we think of something like Valentine's Day, and I'm not preaching, by the way, and that's kind of the connection that everybody, oh, is he going to mention something about Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving? Pastors got to do that. We're not talking about your Valentine and how to be a better husband or a better wife. God hope that you are working on that, but that's not the sermon. <clears throat> but since we're thinking about hearts, and you can't go to the store without having it shaped in the form of a heart when you buy something, whether it's chocolate or cardboard, everything is shaped, pizzas, they're shaped in heart today because it's today. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. Because what happens when the abundant good is in front of you? You probably, I'm sure, I'm, various husbands have mentioned this to me in the privacy of male chatter. No women to hear. You know, there'll be cigars lit and maybe a drink is had and some guy will go, better than we deserve. We guys recognize that our wives are far better than we deserve. You're suddenly aware what the abundance is, what the goodly theme is when you look at your wife and go, what in the world made her marry me? You recognize something. Here the psalmist is recognizing it about the guy. And he moves on in the second part of the psalm to the girl. And it's not just recognition. I want you to say this is where we're going with this is hopefully going to be of benefit spiritually. To recognize abundance is, is the first step. You know that the world is filled with abundant good. When you get to Thanksgiving and you realize, you mean I haven't been thankful for all of this? You know it's like 18 degrees outside. Let me check here for a moment. This is the thermostat. 64 degrees in here. Now, it might not be balmy, 
but you're sitting comfortably surrounded by 18 degrees. You should fall to your knees and thank your God. How much abundant good is missing to us and when we choose to see it, we, we even wax poetic, or at least we go by poetic from Hallmark because, you know, I'm not even going to bother working on it. As soon as you get to the recognition of the abundance, at a certain point, it, it elbows other things aside, Right? It becomes your theme like it is for the psalmist here. My heart overflows with a goodly theme. And we have to stop and go, what do I do when I reach that point? Because every day isn't a good day to buy a, uh, a valentine. There's about three weeks prior that's a good time to buy a valentine. You could buy like... 365 of them and then hand them out each day of the year but you have to learn to speak what you're thinking what you're encountering what you're seeing because there isn't an adequate gap filling quality to somebody else's bad poetry you know they're probably in Des Moines I don't know where Hallmark is based but it sounds like it's in Des Moines and some people who are Hating life, they come in every day and they write bad love poetry for you to buy. So don't count on them. Don't count on them. But I don't want you to say, well, do I have to learn to write poetry? No, I'm not asking that because we're not talking about you writing Valentines. We're talking about you recognizing your world, the abundance in it, and the themes that seem to grab us, that, or should grab we as Christians, that they don't. That we don't know how to speak in an honorific way. It's a little bit awkward. You are the fairest of the sons of men. Who would say that? Grace is poured upon your lips. That's, that's like a metaphor for something, right? Can you pour grace? on someone's lips. Now, we know that Christian marriages, all marriage, is an illustration, right? St. Paul says, I believe this has to do with Christ and the church, the bride and the bridegroom. We know that as we go through life, we have that illustrative quality in our personal love affairs, we are stating the nature of that good, poorly or well. Now, last week, Davis read Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. I think it was Davis. Was it Davis? In Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, and it just stuck with me because it's one of my favorite bits in the Lord's teaching. And as I was thinking about whether I was going to preach a sermon out of the Song of Solomon and deciding not to, 
what was I going to preach out of? And I was thinking of the heart, and I had just read Psalm 45, my heart overflows. I said, you know, what, what's going on here is a matter of our hearts. When your heart recognizes the abundance, when the heart starts to point at the themes that it ought to point at, when the heart begins to express itself, how do we get there in our Christian lives? How, what's, what's keeping us from being more than, you know, ringing the bell, I'm on board with the Christians, okay? I'm, I'm in that camp. I, I joined that church. I, I uh, hold these doctrines to be good. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The reason he speaks in parables is so that some people will know and that others would not. There are people who recognize the love they have. They recognize the woman they marry. They measure her greatness. And they know how to talk about it. That's what romantic love does, right? That's what it ends up being for you, that when you pick up Shakespeare's love sonnets, you go, well, hello, he's got a book. And there's so many ways to talk about it. The problem is, as we don't, when we don't, when our heart does not overflow with a goodly theme of this nature, whether it's about our spouse or about our God, we don't talk about it. And when we don't talk about it, we get less. The, the teaching of the parable here is that it's not been given to some people. Not that they're incapable, they won't. For to ha him who has will more be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. If you've been looking at your spouse, you know, you're not one of you young couples, young, newly married over the last five, ten years, you'll begin to note that it's just getting better. She's getting better. He's getting better. The more you look at what you've been given, if you're looking at God and you start to learn of him, if you have a little, you'll be given more. If you don't have a little, you will, what you have will be taken away. You'll be the man unable to find the Hallmark card at the last minute when you finally remembered you're on the way home from work and it's Valentine's Day and you didn't get anything. You're, just, you're, you're at a loss. You have no way of recognizing This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. When we talk about attentiveness just in friendships, this is true in friendships, uh, in Christian love for others, uh, romance, uh, our relationship with God, it is all in terms of attention. They don't see. 
They don't hear. And they don't understand. Now, this is sort of describing a person who's incapable of caring. Not just, and, and it's going to get worse for them. They're going to become uncaring, you might say, criminals in the society that they don't care for anyone else. We call them eventually narcissists, right? Because oh, they're just about them. That's all they can be. Because they don't see, they don't hear, and they don't understand that that they have, that which is sitting out in front of them. Jesus Christ, God himself, we were talking about this last night with some people, God himself walking the planet had to be kind of a big thought for when you're God walking the planet, kind of a strange feeling. Yeah, I made all these guys. I made all of this. Yes, they're going to kill me. It's got a lot of strange aspects to the incarnation. But when you start to recognize something outside yourself, you start to gain more of that which is outside yourself, the benefit of it, the joy of it, the goodness of it. And when you don't, when you don't see, don't hear, don't understand, it will be taken away from you incrementally throughout your whole life. You won't know how to love. Indeed, with them, it has fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, this is out of Isaiah 6, You shall indeed hear, but never understand. You shall indeed see, but never perceive. And this is where I picked it up. For this people's heart has grown dull. That's the concern we have. When you don't know, when you don't love, when you don't pick up an awareness of, the, of that which stands around you, the abundance that is in front of you, the goodly theme that you have constantly, you have Jesus Christ, him crucified, the life of righteousness, the wisdom of the good. That's in your spiritual lives and you have a, a caring wife and a caring husband and a, you know, moderate children. You have good things. But when you become dull, the dullness, the heart, it says later, you see the two things I have bolded there in the passage? For this people's heart has grown dull, and four lines later, understand with their heart. It seems as if the understanding, the dullness is the heart, the understanding is the heart. We're not talking about how you're feeling emotionally. Just because it's Valentine's Day and you're talking about loving people does not mean this is about your emotional health. This is about your smarts. Did you attend to anything of the abundance that God has given you? Did you look at your wife and go, thank you, Jesus, for that? Did you think of your world, the roof over your head, and say, thank you. Did you begin to recognize, not be dull in your perceptions? The person 
who can't even draw a map to where you're going because they haven't even paid attention to anything that they have done in the last five years. They don't know where they've driven. They don't know what they drove past. They don't know because they don't care about what they see. Their, their hearts are dull. Their eyes don't see. They don't perceive. I have taught art. I know what it is to try to get someone to draw something they have looked at, but they haven't seen. You know the difference. What do they draw? Great short story by C.S. Lewis, uh, Shoddy Lands, about some girl that is so perceptive-less-ness. Her perception is absent. He gets caught up in her mind, Lewis does, and he's trying to figure his way around the, their universe, and all the trees are just sticks with green gloves on top because she looks at things and doesn't see them except jewelry store windows. Everything is remarkably in focus in jewelry store windows. Because what we care about, what we give ourselves to, what we don't allow the dullness to touch us in is what we truly love, what we truly attend to. It's a depressing story, a little bit comic. <clears throat> but I want you to not be dull. <clears throat> and you got to begin somewhere because thankfully in this parable, those that have will more be given. You're suggesting, okay, you mean if I just start to get on board looking at the world around me, caring about the people around me? Their ears are heavy of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn for me to heal them. Now, what the, what the basic problem is here is not merely that we don't, oh, you mean... In, in the art class, you'd have to find a way to force them to see the thing, either by breaking it apart into a grid pattern or talking about it and pointing. Which direction does this line go? I had guys drawing windows in a class that were like the up and down vertical windows, and he drove them all this way. And I go, how did you see that? Sitting there looking at them, uh, 90 degree difference between reality and his drawing. Oh, really? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> My gosh, you loaded? This is, this is, this is, but tragically, people don't see even the simple things. It's not that art is that important. It's life is that important. And if you don't see and perceive, you will not perceive more. If you don't care, because this is what happens. There's a reason it happens. Lest, that word there, their ears are heavy of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Lest, what does that mean? They're tired of listening. They're tired of looking, understanding, Lest is there because it means there's an actual planned avoidance. They don't want to have happen what's going to happen if you perceive. If I start to look at things to study how they actually are, 
I might perceive with my eyes and hear with my ears and understand with my heart and turn from me, turn to God to be healed. If I really understood what was going on. Well, so let's not look at what's going on. Let's just sort of glance at things and not really see it. Oh, honest officer, I, I didn't see that stop sign. Honest God, I really didn't notice. You know, this stuff goes by so fast that I was so busy. These are people that are dulling their heart to the abundance that there's around them. And part of the problem is they don't know what it's like. They don't know the joy of what it's like to recognize the abundance in the other. You see the Psalms written about God. We're talking about someone in the first century, 1100s BC. No indoor toilets. Rough time. No air conditioning. No adequate uh, mattresses. Just all sorts of real you know, things that we really enjoy. War all the time, hand to hand. And the guy kept writing psalms about the greatness of his God. Even in reference to his enemies. In reference to everything. Because no matter where you look, once you start looking, to them that have will more be given. You start to be a recognizing, recognizing participant in the other. You are no longer this criminal narcissist that is just about yourself with just enough knowledge of the other to make sure you stop at the corner. You don't step out in front of trucks. That's about it. Because we're going to serve something. You're going to serve yourself if you don't serve the reality outside yourself. Because the reality outside of you takes perception, takes looking at it, or you don't know what it is. You don't have any idea how it works. you got to have a theory about the other. We were talking about the things of God last night in the library, wide-ranging and very interesting discussion. There's an awful lot to think about regarding our God. There's an abundance of goodly theme. You're trying to figure out what is. Most people just want to live inside themselves and for themselves. And we don't want to turn because we might be healed. That's sort of weird, right? Turn lest they should perceive understand and turn for me to heal them. They're avoiding being healed. Well, everybody knows the world is just an awful place, you know. It's, we just went through a bad year, right? We go, wow. Yeah. And everybody goes, you know, we could probably do that again. 2021, let's do it. Let's have this be as crazy. And it's starting out as crazy. And nobody's going, wow, what a great place this is how humane other people are, how wonderful and treating each other with kindness and circumspection. They aren't. And we know that. And we know that we hate just like they hate. And we know that that's the price we're willing to pay no matter what damage it does to keep this about us. To not have it be about the loved. 
not to have it be about the goodly theme that you perceived about your God and his grace and the walk you have with Christ. Because, you know, you start talking about the thing you love. You do. We would rather pay with chaos, disease, destruction to avoid this. And you probably think that your lack of perception makes you kind of interesting. You know, kind of a, you know how some girls are that way about being drama queens. I got so many problems. <laughs> you sure do. You are one of them. You are all of them. But doesn't that make me interesting? To psychologists, yes. I mean, to actual men looking for a help meet in life, no. No. Drama is not, doesn't beat tranquility. You know my favorite proverb, one of my favorite proverbs. Tranquility, tranquil mind gives life to the flesh, but passion makes the bones rot. I'll take the tranquility, thank you. You start to recognize your God, the goodly themes of all the good. Now, there is a lot of bad in the world, but you know what God will do. I know the judgment is coming. I don't have to worry about all the bad because God will judge it. I have paid attention to God. When people, when you tell people who are angry about some injustice, I gotta do something. You say, you do know that God is going to judge the world. Well, yeah, but, what the, the, well, yeah, but, means that they don't know. They don't think it. They haven't looked at it. They have never sung a song or said, I'm gonna write a poem about God's justice at the end for all that he's gonna to do to the wicked. Because if you thought about what God was going to do to the wicked, you would not be shuffling around, kicking little sand piles over because I'm so ticked. It's got to be done. Because God is going to do it, and far worse than you could ever do it. But you spent your time not attending to who he is. People don't know. He tells the disciples, blessed but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Do you know what circumstance you dwell in? You know how great your wife is. That's what the, the metaphor is how great your wife is. Stop and look at her going, yeah, she's great. Now, that's a metaphor, Christ and the church. Say, okay, maybe I should be thinking of the nature of attention, the nature of recognizing what I have. I recognize more and more what I have in my God, what I have in the reality, what I have in the other. That is a goodly thing that overflows in your life, you can almost can't do anything but speak in poetry. How could you speak in anything but? Because this, is, this requires a degree of honorific that, that none of us, very few of us are prepared to do. We don't know really 
how blessed we are. You get that suspicion with this last line here. You know, a lot of very famous good guys wish they could see what you see. I mean, we weren't there with the Christ. Um, but I have, I'm here, I always like to hear Christians complain. Uh, what do you mean we have to rejoice? Uh, yeah. And as if it were an argument against their faith, why are there four Gospels? Why did we need four Gospels? You mean lives of Christ? Yeah, yeah. Why, why so much? I, I mean, that means I have to read through four different versions of Jesus Christ talking about life. I mean, that's just a bridge too far. People don't... You get to read the maker of heaven and earth wandering the planet closely enough that people heard what he said and wrote it down and then they translated it into your language and you've got a copy, maybe five copies on a shelf at home and you're complaining because there are too many gospels or that you don't understand the parables. Well, understand this one. If you don't understand, you're not gonna. Sucks to be you. Now, that's the, just the nature of the beast. If you don't want to know, you will know less. He will take away what you know. You will end dumber regarding the abundance of things in this world spiritually because you did not pick it up and start to look at it. The disciples had more than Abraham had. They had more than Moses had. And Jesus wants them to know that you got something really valuable. That's why it's great to, people understand it romantically. They understand, you know, I should look at my wife fresh. I remember we were visiting uh, Manisha and Davis back in New York one time, and I remember writing a poem then, because it was sort of an idea that I had that I think I saw her out, so we were down at uh, where the path train comes in, there's that church and the graveyard. I got photos of that, but um, I was looking at the situation and going, you know, I don't actually realize that I'm here in New York and there are probably men who are willing to kill me to get at my wife. To just have me disappear so she would be available. It doesn't make me feel comfortable that I'm a target. But I began to realize how, how much I had not perceived that, that this was valuable. What, what do you know what do you know of your loves? What do you know of your children? What do you know of, of your God? Have you attended to it as if it were a goodly theme that you have to speak of? Let's thank him. Dear Lord God, we're grateful that what we have, you've given us. And you can give us more if we honor what you've given us with attention and overflowing in speaking of that our other becomes dominant to us more than ourselves. That our loved ones, 
our God, and even our enemies, Lord, that we would love them with this attention. That the goodly theme would be something we would have to address somehow. And that the good of our God would be always growing to us. Thank you. In your son's name, amen.